When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How's it going? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, oh, it's happening. It's right. happening. The clock's going. Oh. So we there's no turning back now. Oh my God, this is stressing me out. We have. I don't know. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say there. I, I don't know. You were really ex- like you felt something. I did, and then it immediately left my body. I had the craziest nightmare last night. Let's hear it. Yeah. Um, oh, we should also. Uh, this is pretty scary. Pretty scary. Boo! I'm not as good at it. Go for it, Carrie. Oh, oh, Carrie's not here. No, Carrie. For the next two weeks. Oh, oh. I don't like when Carrie's not around. It makes me sad. I don't like when either of you are missing. Oh, wow. Thanks. Me and Carrie had to do the Angeles National Forest episode yeah. without you. I still feel like the circumstances are better in, in this in this one. Yeah, she's just at like a work thing. <laughs> and you were... Getting rear-ended. Yeah. You, you had... Look, Multiple traumas in your life. Everybody has their hobbies, Adam. Yeah, exactly. Caitlin's are car crashes. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so let's hear about this nightmare. Okay, so I can't be the only person experiencing stress nightmares right now. Oh, I'm sure, I'm like, sure you're not. Like, I really, like, I, you know. But the weird part is, like, this is, and I don't know why I'm going to share this to all the people that listen to the show, but. I'm so excited I, right now. Are you ready? Yeah. Do you like weird dream shit? I do. Okay, So I'm going to say about two months ago, I had a nightmare where I was walking into this house and I had this like dream logic sense that it was like my house. Does that make like, this is my, but it wasn't the house I live in right now. Right. And it was kind of like older looking. I want to say like 1930s kind of style, two story, like James Wan creepy looking house. It's nighttime. There's no lights inside the house, but there's floodlights from the outside of the house. And as I walk in, I notice that I'm like on this like big porch and it's enclosed and like like poorly enclosed. Like somebody had added right. things in the 70s to make it stupider. Um, <laughs> and there was this like vent in the middle of the floor. And all of a sudden I see these like flames kind of like licking out of this vent. And then the grate pops up and moves over. This like hand reaches out and pops over, moves it over. Jesus. And this scary, exaggerated-looking police officer, like, he looks like he, he climbed off of, like, a the Sgt. Pepper's album cover. Like, that kind <laughs> of, like, weird. But again, yeah. like, like James Wanney in that he was dead. This is a dead person. And then okay. more dream logic k- kicked in. And I was like, oh, it's my job to push this thing back in a hole. So I'm like, you know, okay, push you back in a hole. Wow. So I walk up and I do it and he's like putting up a fight and I'm like, get back in this hole. And I like, f- I like shove this thing back in the hole. And then the second I do it, I literally hear this like, <laughs> and I turn around and there's a demon behind me, a full on demon. And I, 
I exercised this demon out of the house in this nightmare that I'm having. Okay. And I'm literally going back to like childhood stuff saying in the name of Jesus, I cast you back to hell. Like this is a nightmare. I wake up in my, in my bedroom, sitting up yelling to the wall. Like I'm having like a full on night terror. Okay. Jeez. I immediately fall back to sleep and I'm sitting in my family home that I grew up in. Okay. And my mom is there in a recliner that we grew up with, but it's in the wrong part of the house and it doesn't matter to everybody else, but it's just not where it used to be. Now, right. my mom passed away 12 years ago of breast cancer. And if anybody else is out there who's had a parent that's that's gone, I think you deal with it in your dreams in a lot of different ways. Right. And sometimes you have dreams where you're like, oh, that's like the scary dead version of my parents. <laughs> and then in other ones, you're like, oh, that's like the nice version, you know? So in this case, she was sick still, but she was smiling. And she said... <laughs> She goes, I have something I need to tell you. And I leaned in and I said, Mom, if you want to tell me something, just give me a couple weeks. I need to get through what's coming up. And then I probably will be in a better place to hear good news. That's this is the so I wake up and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Two days later, my dad gets in this like, no, no, like two weeks later. Yeah. My dad gets in this like horrible accident. And I was here. You was here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So go out to Reno to take care of my dad. Weeks go by. Well, last week I had a dream uh, where I was in this bedroom. Again, it was like my bedroom, but not my bedroom. And my mom is sitting in the bed next to me. And she's not looking at me. And she's looking forward. And she's smiling. And she's pointing. And she goes, oh, okay. I'm so glad you're feeling better now. Now I can tell you. You're going to move. That's what she says. Congratulations. You're going to move. I'm like, what? And then she shows me a completely different house. And then I wake up. And I'm like, that's really powerful. That's really weird. So I, I don't know what any of that means. Yeah. But then last night, in a horrible mashup, I have a nightmare <laughs> where my mom is possessed by a demon. <laughs> Jesus. And she's coming at me like, <laughs> and I'm like, in the name of Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm not kidding. I cannot make this up. I am being terrorized uh, by something in my brain. Um, it, it's not fair. That's that's intense. What the fuck is that? Yeah. I honestly think it's tied to all these things going on, and my brain is like, we must find meaning. We must find meaning. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I mean, I'm I'm kind of woo woo. So I mean, I I, yeah. I also wonder what all of that <clears throat> means. Like, and 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 it was just like, don't worry. You know, everything's okay, and you're gonna move soon. And the house that she showed me was this be- like beautiful house. But it's weird. I keep having nightmares in these houses and yeah. dreams in houses, and now and. <laughs> And then dreams where my mom is possessed by a demon. Like, it's just not fair. Like, I don't need this shit. Like, I'm already, yeah. like, waking life is bad enough. Yeah, that's that's bad times that you dream about that and then wake up to all of this. I know. And this is bad. It's so bad right it's now. It's really bad. So we decided for Pretty Scary this this week that, I mean, there's a we had a couple different ideas that we were bouncing around. Right. But... I just think in light of everything, the right thing to do, and I think at the end of the day, still completely in line with what we could call the thesis of Pretty Scary, sure, is to talk about refugee horror stories. Right. <laughs> because they're, they're real, and uh, there's this is happening right now. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, I, I mean, the, the, it, it should be on everyone's mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's really, refugees are really shaping politics around the world right now yeah like a lot of people are there's there's a huge refugee crisis in europe we'll get to all the details but 
it's the way Europe is reacting to that. It's kind of turning into a domino effect that, you know, it's, and we have what's happening here now. Well, and, you know, I think one of the things that, like, the first specific aspect of this that I think is important to kind of parse out, and probably throughout our conversation that we're about to have, I'm seeing the conversation of refugee and immigrant slowly becoming the same conversation. Right. And I don't think that that's a helpful blending of terms. No, definitely not. <laughs> because I think... They're that, two very different things, obviously. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, like, you know, I, I think that there is a place for a structured conversation about how we handle Ill- illegal immigration into the country. Barack Obama deported more people than yeah. any president. Yeah. But he didn't, Millions. But he didn't... Yeah, but he didn't create this. Right. And then he also, I think, did a good job of fortifying the process of how you become a citizen here. Yeah. And a legal and a, a legal <laughs> immigrant here in, right. which is what our country was 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 created. Yeah. yeah. Versus 2 years ago you had a house and a TV and a dog and everything was okay and then now you had to get get away cuz ISIS was showing up. Right. Not the same thing. They had no yeah. no intention to to come hang out here. Yeah. Not, not and it's it's not that people are fleeing because they just don't agree with ISIS politics. It's like ISIS is coming to people and saying, "Hey, you work with us, or we'll kill you." Well, and uh, you know the other thing to think in. To, I remember two years ago when ISIS first became a thing, <laughs> there was an article I read about women killing themselves when ISIS would come in. I mean, they just kill themselves. Yeah, like they just were like, "Nah, I'm good. Like I I can't fight this, and I, I don't want it. I don't want it." Yeah. I don't want to live through this experience. Yeah, and it's, you know, we're we're talking a lot about Europe today. And that's where they've been hit the the hardest by in terms of refugees caused by what's happening in the Middle East with ISIS. It's really impacting Europe. Well, ISIS Europe is always at the crosswinds of things because, you know, we're kind of aside from being bumping up against Mexico, which right. we definitely have a complicated relationship with more so today than we did, let's say, six <sighs> months ago. Yeah, yeah. God, I'm going to like pit out this shirt talking about this episode. <laughs> I'm so stressed out. I think about my demon mom. Anyway, <laughs> but Europe is, is such an interesting place because we, we don't have like the persistence of place here in America the way that Europe does. We're not walking on streets that have been paved by the Roman Empire here in America. Right, right. For lack of a better term, they've just got more juju going on over there. Yeah, like, we're still a y- really young country compared to yeah. you know, the countries in Europe. They have a lot more history than we do. Just geographically, like the presence of people and, and how those complicated relationships have ebbed yeah. and flowed between the, you know, the Roman Empire, the British Empire, Italy, all these different countries that have kind of like fought each other back and forth for a very long time. Right. We also have to think about what was happening economically, which I think is, I think is the third ingredient that no one is really discussing with all of this. Sure, sure. Greece was tanking, and then all of a sudden they were flogged with immigrants. immigrants. Or, or refugees. Refugees, yeah, yeah they're, with they're refugees. Yeah, okay, see, we're going to get through. Adam, yeah. you and I. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to do We're going to get through it. I think it's really important to bring this up because I, I firmly believe that had we been in a different economic climate, which, you know, you can't really say because if we were in a different economic climate, then maybe other things wouldn't be happening. But yeah. the fact that everybody's kind of on their heels and then to have this third kind of deluge of issues washing up on everybody's shore, people are getting very animal and yes. they're, they're getting very like shitty. Yeah, it's 
you know, that it's part of what when people say Brexit was fueled by sure. xenophobia, this is kind of why. Because, you know, the European Union, yeah. it's a it's a union. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's countries right. that agree to work on their problems and issues together. And when this refugee crisis started, which in 2014, there were 280,000 refugees that arrived in Europe. And by 2015, it was over a million. That's in, I mean... So it's a, it's a huge increase. And, and those, I mean, in the middle of all of that, we're talking about people living and dying also. Oh, like, yes. It, yes. It's yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just think it's important <laughs> to say this every time we can with yeah. this. It's like yeah, those are the numbers for whenever that flashpoint was. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And what happened is this crisis started, and all of these refugees started flocking to Europe. And England, you know, probably not incorrectly, uh, there were people inside England who were like, "Oh shit! I bet we're going to have to take most of them." Yeah. Because England was the power in the European Union. So when the idea of Brexit came up, that was a big talking point was if you want us out of this immigrant refugee crisis, God damn it, I keep doing it. That's why we started with that conversation. It's a Black Mirror episode about this. There's definitely a Black Mirror episode about this. There is. The- burr, burr, burr. <laughs> oh, I ha- oh, I don't no, have it up. I'm glad you don't. <laughs> I'm going to open it. <laughs> keep this episode light. People always ask for the sound effects. We brought them back this you, morning. You the, brought the back? Yeah, the we we on this week's we had the Howard Dean scream. You mean you didn't get like very specific comments about how great my singular generation of <laughs> of all of our sound effects was an A plus? <laughs> People are into uh, that too. There's there's different wah, camps. Wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm glad we're still keeping it light on this episode. I mean, it's either this or Demon Mom stuff. Like, yeah, honestly, yeah. like it's cake or death. I can't. <laughs> we're gonna have to. We're gonna keep this going. So yeah, that that's part of why Brexit happened. The England, and that's really complicating things now because a lot of them we're gonna. A lot of people arriving are expecting still that we're gonna go to England. Right, but here's the here to me is the ultimate distinction between immigrant and refugee that I think is the most important. Refugees are educated. These are people with vocational yeah. skills. These are people with things to offer. This is the thing that I, I'm I'm angry that I don't see more people talking about. Look, I'm I'm all woo woo about doing the right thing. And I will launch into a whole other speech about this during this podcast, I'm sure. Right. But the big difference is that these are people that can contribute to our society healthfully and yeah, enrich absolutely. and enrich the way we do things here and add perspectives to the way we do things here and that to to simply say that we're taking on these people like in the same way that we we have to support from a certain perspective illegal immigration is not yeah. the same thing yeah it's totally different it's crazy i mean these are people with bank accounts somewhere yeah that's the thing <laughs> yeah we're going to i mean you know, we're going to talk a lot on this episode about uh, something called the Calais Jungle. Am I pronouncing Calais right? That's gonna, how you pronounce France, right? Yeah, it's fine. I, I we might be saying it wrong. Calais, <laughs> I sorry, it, our heart's in the right place, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 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 Calais Jungle people took to calling it, and it was an uh, kind of an encampment of refugees who were fleeing the Middle East and hoping to get to England. And for a lot of them, the most natural first stop when they got to Europe was this northern 
port town in France called Calais. Yeah. And this big encampment sprung up called, uh, people eventually took to calling it the Calais Jungle. They still call it that, like in the media. Like it's the official name. And it feels kind of racist. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, jungle. Uh, yeah, that's it's like very this idea that they're wild animals or primal and not people that could be lawyers and yeah. bankers and doctors for fuck's sake. Yeah, one of the or children. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get to that. There's there's so many children. Yeah, it's very depressing. One of the articles that we we used to research this was on the Guardian. Uh, went up November third. And in it, there's an interview with one of the people who he had fled Iraq to try to make it to England, and he ended up in Calais, and his name was Karzan. He was a nurse in Iraq. He had been a nurse for nine years. He had, he's lived in Iraq. This is like, who imagines living in Iraq for the past nine years? Right. Like, when you think about that, you're like, why wouldn't, why would you have stayed for nine years? Because some people still have a decent life that they enjoy in these countries yeah. that we think of uh, bombed out hell holes. And when ISIS showed up in these countries, they started going to these just normal people, people like we know, you know, they're doctors. They're like you said, doctors, lawyers. This guy was a nurse. ISIS went to this guy and was like, look, you be a nurse for us or we'll kill you. And he didn't want to fucking work with ISIS but he also doesn't want to be killed. So the natural thing to do is fucking flee and go somewhere safe. And that's happening by the millions. And these people are getting to Europe and finding that there's nowhere to go because no one wants them. No one wants to take them in because there's so much Islamophobia right now. Everyone's worried about these terrorist attacks that happen so goddamn infrequently. And it's, it's turning into a huge humanitarian issue and this calais this calais camp and you know kind of what it how it rose and kind of the fate of it i think is really indicative of what a lot of refugees probably go through when they flee these areas yeah i mean i'm sorry (laughs) i just you know i was um like a lot of people driving to work over the summer listening to you know npr which you know someday i'm gonna learn not start my day with npr but yeah but uh, I haven't yet. I think it's just because like the rest of it is like, hey, 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 game of the sexes. I feel you the know? same way about Facebook. Yeah, I, I'm becoming. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> Facebook <laughs> is a whole other. Yeah, I don't know. Everybody just go read Dante's Inferno. That, yeah, that's exactly. that's a better explanation of what that is anyway. But anyway, so I was listening to this piece that covered what I think was called like a traveling museum, like an experience museum that was Uh going up and down the East Coast. And what they were doing was you kind of, you were divided into groups. And I'm just going to tell you what this episode was because it was, it it was really honestly one of the first things that like kicked me in the guts about this. Yeah. Um, So what you do is you sign up and you get, you get put in this group and the leader of the group says, okay, everybody gets handed a stack of like 50 cards and they say all sorts of things like shoes, medicine, car right whatever and they they say okay everybody has 30 seconds to pick five things out of this deck so you have to like or it was a wall it was a wall of things okay so you have 30 seconds to just like look at this and pick five things which is supposed to kind of mirror the experience of what fleeing actually feels like you get five things so then everybody 
has their five things and they start saying things like, okay, well, if you forgot to bring shoes, then just realize that you're going to be doing this now without shoes. And if you forgot to bring a sweater, you're doing all of this now that we're about to talk about without a jacket or what, you know, everything you didn't bring, you don't have in the most real way that you can't have it. There's no place to go pick it up. You don't have money. It doesn't matter. So they go to this. So then, you know, then you're kind of passed off to this other person and they say, um, all right, so you're, you're at a fair, you're at a, you're at a body of water now. So you have to pay a person to get you across. So you've got to give up one of your five things <laughs> just like right yeah. away. So everybody just picks a thing that, you know, and then this happens like two or three more times. And then they're down to like their two things and they say, um, okay, so now trade one of your cards for a life preserver. So everybody like does this. And then they crammed everybody into a boat, like a real boat that they had taken out of the ocean for what these people are actually cramming into and trying to float across the ocean in. And it was so powerful because they just recorded people's reactions, you know, and you know, one guy was just like, it made me physically ill to think about it. So then the, 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 the big, the big finale was that the, one of the people running the exhibit took a life preserver off of one of the individuals and said, okay, can everybody please look at this? They all did. And they're like, what do you notice about this? And they said, I don't know, it's a life preserver. And he said, no, this is a fake life preserver. Oh. So on top of all of the people being exploited by all of these asshole individuals, they're also being sold things that like fake life preservers, yeah. which is why they're drowning in the middle of the ocean Yeah. after leaving their completely normal ha- home that you just very carefully laid out. So I think that's what's really important because by, by the time they get to Calais, they've been through this. Yeah, they've already been so through. That's, so they've had that happen to them. And so now, that's a lot of people are dying that way. And, what's, and that picture of that kid washing up on the, on the shore yeah. last year was... What's really kind of... I don't know if it happens, if it's happening as much with the Europe refugee issues, but in Australia, what's really kind of... That island... Yeah, and what's really kind of almost insidious about that is people are using the fact that refugees are dying on that boat trip over as a reason why they should stop accepting refugees. They're like, it's for their safety. No, it's fucking not. Just let them come here in a regular manner that doesn't involve human smugglers. P.S. Abstinence only, kids. Yeah, that's kind of it's. Yeah, it's kind of like abstinence only for immigration. And it's it's infuriating. And so, yeah, they go through all this to get to a place. And a lot of people in early summer last year started ending up in Calais, France. Right. And by fall, there were more than 8,000 refugees in this tiny encampment that's just like makeshift tents and shacks. It's like Coachella, which to me is hell. Yeah, yeah. Coachella, probably with better music. But... <laughs> Who knows? Same cost for beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Same hairdos. <laughs> and among those 8,000, and that eventually grew to around 10,000. Babies shouldn't be there either. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's one thing Coachella. Probably safer to take a kid to Coachella. No. Than, yeah, maybe not. No. no. Who knows? Everybody's on drugs. <laughs> yeah. But if you got to take them somewhere. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not like this or Disneyland. <laughs> I just... <laughs> anyway, I... I it's now I'm just picturing refugees <laughs> landing at Coachella and being like, no, no. Yeah, just fuck this. How do we get to Mexico? I want to go back. <laughs> no, is- it, they're just like, let's just kill us. Like, yeah. they, we don't deserve <laughs> any good things at all. Yeah. Which I'm beginning to think is a, is a race we just don't. But that's mm. back to demon mom stuff. But come yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. 
So among those uh, eight to 10,000 refugees, 1,900 unaccompanied children. That just makes me want to turn my uterus into the like the 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 Super Bowl dome and give all of these children home. <laughs> like get, yeah. if I could just stretch my body out to house them, I would. If that was the one thing that I could do and be a, be that, I would I that's what I would want to do. Yeah. Where the fuck are these billionaires? Where the fuck are these people? Yeah, exactly. Like I'm sorry, but like okay, so you're 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 a billionaire. You're you're a billionaire. You're a billionaire. You will not ever spend the money that you have. Right. And you are sitting around staring at the TV thinking, well, I guess we're just going to wait to figure out what what the what the elected officials wanted. Fuck you. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You it's, can't build something? There can't yeah. where, Where's Richard Branson? Where's the boat that we where, there we've got boats that house jet airplanes. Just clear yeah. one of those off. Well, what's even <laughs> like, worse... honestly... What's even worse in this case, it's not that they're not getting help from the billionaires of the world. They're not even getting government help. Like, they arrived in France, and France was basically like, wait. And by that, they meant, you know, five years for us to process your application. Meanwhile, just figure out a place to go. And they all ended up in this Calais encampment which is built on a field that, according to one of the articles we read, was used as yeah. kind of a de facto toilet by people in town. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of built on just this so mass they're just, it's fucking shit city. toilet. They're on shit city. And the government was like, okay, cool, stay there. and uh, Hang out in our toilet. That's as much help as you're going to get from us. Very French. So, so this turned into kind of a town where people were putting up like they said, there were cell phone charging booths. There were hairdressers. There again, were restaurants. Again, can I just again yeah, exactly. say these are people that can do shit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fuck they see, man. I'm so mad about this. <laughs> they they set up like a a main street in that ran through this encampment. Of that course, was they because they're decent fucking people. Yeah, and like you said about the shoes, one of the big problems people faced is there was an influx of clothing donations, so everyone had clothes. But shoes are a little harder. Like, yeah. they have to fit. Right. So they said you could basically break down the class system within this camp by looking at people's shoes. So we're back to that. That's yeah. comforting. Yeah. Good. Like, okay, cool. No one had boots or shoes that fit, but some people did have actual shoes that they wore more like uh, slippers. And then there were some people that just had no shoes, but everybody had clothes. And they're, they're living in tents or shacks. The guy I talked about earlier, Karzan, he lived in a wooden structure half the size of a small garden shed with his wife, his one-and-a-half-year-old son, and his brother-in-law. And they all sleep on a wooden pallet with a blanket draped over it. You know why? Because this is how scary ISIS is. Yeah, exactly. Because here's the thing. I think that there's another side to this conversation that is difficult to talk about because we don't know what to do with this information. But ISIS is fucking evil i mean yes. really actually evil yeah the, the bad guys the real bad guys and listen i understand we've got crazy people doing crazy shit here in america and i i'm totally aware of that trust me again having yeah demon mom dreams here i'm freaking out <laughs> but the other problem is that we also need to make sure we do we absolutely have to make sure that this is not something that comes here we have to figure out yeah, yeah, totally. what to do about that, too. That has nothing to do with not letting dynamic and educated people right. into this country. It, it's just that's how the point is, is that people are living without shoes and they're like, that's cool. 
Yeah. Just they're not rioting. They're not setting things on, you know, fire. I mean, they are actually, there's a couple of things about how things were set on fire, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but it's not crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, and I mean, that's I, how bad it is. That's all I'm trying to say. It's that bad over there. They'd rather be here. Yeah. Minus a couple of family members. That's the thing. I started to, to bring it up earlier, but this, this Karzan guy had, he lived in Iraq for nine years before this. So that means he's lived through wars. He's lived through. Like yeah. there was a civil war in Iraq that this yeah. guy lived through and was like, no, I'm still staying. I love Iraq. 90s and then, Iraq. And then two months before this interview nope. is when he finally was like, okay, this is too much. And it was because of ISIS. So, yeah, it's it's easy for us here to almost kind of downplay what what kind of problem ISIS is. And it's not that they're – like they're not – for them to come do here what they're doing in places like Syria and Iraq, our government, as unstable as it is, would have to be a lot more unstable. Like it would, yeah. like they could come here and commit acts of terror, but to actually challenge governments for control, they're not fucking taking no. over the United States. No. Like they might get in here, so we don't, we don't so much have to worry about that. But imagine if we did, <laughs> and imagine if they were winning and we tried to flee, and Canada was like, "Fuck you." Get back to America. That's what these people are facing. Yeah, no room at the inn. Yeah, Mary and Joseph. So, like when when people are imagining, that's the problem. Though I always bring up this book. It's called The Authoritarians. Everyone should read it. It explains Trump followers one hundred percent. It's kind of hard to find, but look for it. You'll find it online. And the thing with Trump followers and just people in general who follow these type of leaders. They have really compartmentalized thinking. So they can picture ISIS as the most evil thing in the world without realizing, with, without being able to have any sort of empathy for people that are fleeing that. Well, like those are two complete. Well, to because, them, refugees are evil. ISIS is also evil. And the two a, things are not intertwined. It's interesting. Um, a friend of mine and I were having a conversation about this, and I will uh, retweet the link on the Unpops Twitter account. There's a difference between interpersonal IQ and intrapersonal IQ. And intrapersonal IQ has a really strong effect on empathy. Right. So when you're talking to someone and they're just not getting what you're saying, it might be... I mean, so I think that I think the gateway conversation of this would be something that's kind of new now. Well, not it's like 10 years. Emotional IQ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. So some people have a very low emotional IQ, but a very high intellectual IQ or however you want to parse it out from that point on. Turns out people are kind of fucking complicated. But the, the more academic and comfortable way of, of, of discussing this and parsing it out is whether or not a person has a very low intrapersonal IQ. Now, if you have a very low intrapersonal IQ, something like religion, perfect. Like yeah. that is because it teaches you how to be good. And the thing about it that becomes this like Ouroboros is that I believe, like I really, I really do believe that all of the bad in the world comes out of people trying to be good for the most part. There are some, there are some people that are truly evil, right? but for the most part, people are afraid of death. They're afraid of not being accepted. They're looking for love. Like truly the fucked up part is like, that's what all of this is. Yeah. (laughs) That to me is the most interesting thing. So, but if you don't have the 
intrapersonal tools to get there, it's going to, the world's going to be a very scary place for you. And you're going to do really cold things and cowardly things in order to preserve your definition of what love and safety are. And that's what I'm seeing a lot of people doing. Now, the good news is, is the mo- most of what I see, it's, it's older people, it's baby boomers. Thank God. Yeah. Because that means they're going to die <laughs> before we do for the most part. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We needed that. That was fun. Oh, thanks for that. Pretty scary, Bill. Yeah. I needed that. But you understand? I mean, I just, I think that it, I, I think that there's a level of emotional stupidity. <laughs> yeah, for re- sure. That's what's happening. But anyway, it just kind of seemed to dovetail into yeah, this book yeah. that you recommended that now I'm going to definitely check out. Yeah, I'll send you the link. It's great. It's called The Authoritarians. So yeah, they get to this camp. And of course, because this is France and there have been very high-profile terrorist attacks in France, and there's already this refugee crisis brewing. The locals do not like it. They do not like it one bit. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but like... And the craziest thing is the people at Calais don't even want to be there. They they arrived... They want to go to England. Yeah, they arrived expecting they would be able to go to England because that's normally how it works. But after Brexit happened, no. You know, like... I was in England for the most part has stopped accepting. I was in England in 2008. So this was no 2007. So we were still dealing with President Bush after, you know, back then. Right. We didn't really have the best international profile back then. No, we did not. Guess what? We still definitely. It's worse now. now. It's gone now. And I remember being in a restaurant and these two British people lecturing me on these fucking Muslims is what they kept saying. It was really, it was an uncanny experience because I'm from, I'm a Southern, I'm from LA. (laughs) I've never, I've never heard somebody say something like that to me, let alone that sounded like John Cleese. Like I was like, this is all wrong. This is weird. I love that your first exposure to blatant racism happened in England. (laughs) That's how white I am. (laughs) Yeah, that's super white. From a British person, like a very like erudite British person calmly explaining to me how these fucking Muslims it's don't. fucking Muslims. I then. can't even. Uh, oh, well, he's a Muslim. <laughs> he is. No, it's not like it's not like my fur lady. Get him deported. The rain in Spain. So <laughs> on the plane, on the plane. So, so this guy's like cl- saying basically his gripe, so to speak, to pull it back to America, <laughs> was that they don't assimilate. Like they don't do it. Right. They don't. They never made an effort to assimilate. So I just found it interesting that that is kind of the kernel of their concerns. And then here we are, we pull the lens back almost 10 years later. And not only have they not assimilated from in the eyes of the European, right? they've committed these international attacks, which I feel like is unfair. Because if you're voting, it's so weird to me that these people are voting for Brexit. They voted for Brexit, but they're still seeing themselves as like this, that the threat is the U- it's because of the union, the European right, union. Right. It's like, wait, no, I'm confused now. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's insane. But people still were arriving, you know, hoping that that's where they would go. And we talk about, you know, the the journey that they they had to get there. We talk about what the journey is like to get just to France. But then when people arrived in Calais wanting to go to England, that became a whole other journey where they either had to travel through miles of really rough terrain, cut a fence, or otherwise traverse a fence and just kind of <sighs> illegally hop a uh, 
the Euro Tunnel train. Sure. But if you had kids, that trip is uh, nearly I I... nearly impossible. So then people were paying human traffickers to like uh, put them on the roof of trucks or in the undercarriage of trucks. And so people started dying that way. And that was the basis for the town finally starts to protest this camp. All of the local truck drivers uh, held this protest where they blocked the highway that led into the camp. Mm -hmm. And the reason they said they did it was these human traffickers are threatening other drivers and and blah, blah, blah. So Again, let's not think of a solution. Right, exactly. So they eventually negotiate a settlement with the government and the government shuts this camp down. Where the fuck is New Zealand in all of this? Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck are they doing? Fuck that shire. I'm serious, though. I mean, I know there's no answer to this in this podcast tonight, uh, but where the fuck is New Zealand? Yeah. Do we go there? Yeah, let's all go to New Zealand. <gasps> Angie knows someone who can get really cheap flights to New Zealand. I think Angie, we... can we go to New Zealand? <laughs> Seriously. Okay. She's Yay. All right. That, we solved it. All right. We're going to stop the podcast. We'll see you guys yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Caitlin are going to defect to New Zealand now. We could probably get by on... Oh, we'd kill it in New Zealand. <laughs> they speak English and we're funny. We'd be fine. We, it would be like landing on a bed of feathers. I feel, <laughs> just, I feel like we could just like go hang out under a waterfall for a little bit. Yeah, we would kill it. We could podcast behind a waterfall. Yeah. I feel like you could do those things in New Zealand. Absolutely. We're going and it's to not too hot. No. Which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, I don't like the heat. No, it's like Monterey, or but the a cold. whole country. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the central coast of California, but a giant continent. Oh, uh, we're going. We're I think it. I just came up with a great idea. <laughs> Flash forward to like like five years from now, there's like some other like douchey New Zealand yeah. people covering how all these Americans started washing up. Like, oh, it all began with this like <laughs> fucked up podcast from downtown LA. <laughs> Why are they coming in boats? That's such a long trip. Just fly. They're so stupid. <laughs> got a Southwest terminal and everything. It was like a Duffy that they got in here. <laughs> and all they did was eat craft singles the whole way. It was disgusting. <laughs> oh, that is a callback to pre-recording <laughs> yeah. when I was throwing down on some craft singles as That's a snack. That's the only way is you got to throw down the craft singles. They're so versatile. They and they make, make a... that sound. You got to throw it down. Yeah. They're so good. They're so, they're... My mom used to call that cheese food. She even acknowledged it. I think the it... package calls it cheese food. <laughs> Can't we ship these people cheese food at least? Yeah. Fuck me, man. Big old block of cheese food. Come up with two good solutions to this refugee crisis in the last 15 minutes. Well, one of them just involved us going to New Zealand, so I don't know if that fixed anything. No, we're scouting. (laughs) We'll put up the beacon. It'll be in that. No, it's just going to be actually the bat signal. Be like the post-apocalypse thing where we're just sending out the bat signal every morning. Like, anyone see it? No. All right. Let's go back to our bombed out section of New Zealand and fight for water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I was really, really good. (laughs) Oh. oh, these people don't have shoes. Good no, these that. people are all going to die. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so after oh, that. Oh, <laughs> demon mom. Oh. So after the protest, a bunch of buses showed up. <laughs> That's never good. To 
to uh, take the people in the camp to accommodation centers, which that sounds better. Ovens? Are they okay? Are they okay? I think they'd be happy if they had ovens. <laughs> Fuck! I'm just now. I'm just imagining like a giant, like DMV land landscape. Well, they have these. Uh, oh, I'm so stressed out. I think this article, one of these articles, actually has a video from inside one of these accommodation oh, centers. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I forgot. I blocked it out. Yeah, they bust everyone up. There was a there were like riots, but no one no one really. I think everybody's too tired to yeah. like put in the effort for a real riot or anything. Yeah. And this whole time people are still thinking we're going to England. There were there's all these quotes. One guy said, "I don't know where these buses will take us, but I want to go to England. My aunt lives there." There was another one who said they'll have to force us to leave. We want to go to Britain. And then finally a quote from the head of the French immigration <laughs> office. We have yet to convince some people to accept accommodation and give up their dream of Britain. That's the hardest part. So nobody's getting to Britain. They all get sent to these uh, crazy you know accommodation Honestly, centers. I don't think I'm, I think New Zealand's the best plan now. This whole thing reminds me of Empire of the Sun. Do you ever see that movie with little Christian Bale? No, but I have heard the band. Keep going. Band's different. <laughs> band is a little different. They're a little... Mm, yeah. Dude, if anybody out there has watched Empire of the Sun, they know what I'm talking about. I, it's this awful situation. It's, it's during... I think it's, it's World War II. Yeah. And little Christian Bale, he's like nine in this movie. <laughs> little Christian Bale. Little Christian Bale. Cute. Little Christian. So he's... Uh, he's he, his family's estate gets taken over. And then he gets separated from his family in this riot, basically, and he becomes like a, a servant. Yeah. It's a fucking nightmare. Anyway, this whole situation has reminded me of that movie over and over again. Because again, let's just, I just want to bring this up. These are like normal people. Yeah. Normal these people. These are not. And thousands of kids. These are not your dish. You're like, your, your vision of what immigrants look like is not the same thing of what is what an, a refugee is. This is right. like, this is the big thing that we need to start telling everybody very carefully. Right. Like, all right, let's appeal to your more racisty side. <laughs> okay. Like these, these like street rats that you don't like. Yeah. Those aren't those people. Right. We're not even talking about those people. Those people are already dead. Yeah. Or. They got recruited by ISIS because of people like you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get sidetracked. <laughs> Don't beat yourself up too much. This is all your fault, but we're not going to bring that but up right still, now. Yeah. These guys all have degrees. They're probably better <laughs> educated than most people in America. They speak two languages. Yeah, exactly. Which I definitely don't. I do not either. I don't even do a good New Zealand accent. Yeah. I couldn't even blend in over there. We wouldn't assimilate in New Zealand. Nope. They'd hate us. My only no good impression is Werner Herzog. <laughs> So the, uh, they break up this Calais camp and move everyone to these accommodation centers, which are scattered all yeah. around France, which that alone sounds way more ominous than I'm comfortable with. But it is, it's a better situation in that they're indoors yes. now, but that's almost kind of where it ends. <laughs> like they're indoors and that's literally the only improvement. They, the, the government said these would uh, provide specialist care, which... I don't what know. the fuck does like, that even? I don't know what that means. But there's a watchdog group called Social Workers Without Borders that says the centers aren't even providing basics like food, security, or emotional support. And that part's really important for, again, those thousands of kids who are thrown into this situation. They're, they're going to have PTSD. 
there's going to be a lot that's of that. The le- that's the least of it. Yeah, yeah. Because let me tell you, the kids, this is, I mean, listen, I'm not saying kids can't be traumatized, but kids bounce back. Right. It's, I'm more worried about the other shit. Well, the, the mental health of the kids is a huge issue, though. They're, of course it is. Uh, th- there's no psychiatrist, no psychologists on board. Great. And this will turn out well. This all got even worse because in the middle of all this, when France was breaking up this camp, the British government decided that none of these kids, they had a program in place where if these kids had family in England, which is what a lot of this was, especially the kids. Of course. Was was parents who couldn't afford to get out themselves but sent their kids just trying even, to save their I fucking I kids. Can't, I can't even... I, Thinking, you know, if you get to France, you'll get to England, you have family there, you can live there. And now in the middle of it, England said, no, we're suspending that program. So they they suspended it and then issued new regulations that only kids from Syria or Sudan under the age of 13 or deemed at high risk of sexual exploitation were eligible. That's a dizzying statement. Yeah. All of them are. Yeah. Anyone else allegedly... (laughs) Sorry, kid. Listen, kid. Listen. You're 14, but you're fucking ugly, so we're really not worried about you. You hang out. (laughs) Here's a little... Here's Yahtzee. You're going to play by yourself Yeah. in this center. Uh, your, Your sister... She's good looking. She's she's a looker. She's a looker. So she's got a pretty mouth. So we're worried about that. We're going <laughs> to sh- ship her off to Britain where they molest kids all the time anyway. Yes. Yes. So, so yeah. The, this is like. Of the 1900 kids who were at the Calais jungle, which the media just keeps just. That's what they call it now. Like the, the, the racist term for it just became the actual term everyone uses. Uh, 750 of those kids were accepted into England. And allegedly, allegedly, the rest were told their asylum applications were denied. Which meant they stay where? Exactly. They, they, they're uh, stuck in these accommodation centers now. Well, this isn't going to breed anything bad. No, no, no. That's this, not, won't, this won't come back to haunt It's not going to make all. them resent Europe no. whatsoever. It's not like you can, you know, hold on to that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because, you know, it's definitely not what Austria did. <laughs> I'm just it's Ugh. like what who what, we, you're yeah. Europe you should really know this like, yeah you should know how this ends or like, maybe they do and that's the problem <sighs> so back to these kids I New Zealand hashtag we're going in we are we're taking these kids with us the uh Aww. these watchdog groups that went in these babies found a lot of terrible things uh one boy that the group encountered didn't have a jacket or a change of clothes so when he washed his clothes he had to sit naked in his room and cover up with a blanket while his clothes dried he shared that room with four other boys how fucking humiliating is that like that's terrible uh there was uh, they reported there was usually only one staff member on duty overnight. There were several instances where people were able to just walk in in the middle of the night and like go hang out with the kids. Like oh. there was no one watching them. There was one center where 52 children initially arrived. Seven were accepted to resettle in the UK. But way more than that, 12 decided this center was so shitty they were going back to the camp in Calais, which doesn't even exist. They were like, we'll just go to the field. The field was better than this. 
But their thinking is obviously if we get to Calais, we can sneak to England. But no, their thinking is there are kids. They're not. Well, yeah, they of don't, course. They don't. There was another witness. They they said the center that they investigated didn't provide bedding or soap, and for food, kids were given a quarter of a baguette in the morning, a quarter of a baguette at lunch, and half a baguette at dinner. Why? With ketchup. And that was their food. Why? What is the reason for this? Well, what these a lot of these centers are kind of admitting that yes, there's a problem. But what they say is that this happened so fast and with so little warning, they weren't able to prepare. No. But the problem is they no. This cleared, has been going on since 2000. Now, I, now, what are we saying? Well, they cleared that. That's that's exactly the point. They cleared these camps back in October and November. In this article that all of this comes from which was uh, published on the independent.co.uk, just went up two days ago. So they've had at least a few months to deal with it, and it's still, they're, they're just kind of housed in these buildings with no food, no protection, no, no nothing. And it, like they found kids who were too lethargic to go play because they, didn't, they hadn't eaten protein. And the, uh, the scariest part, Refugee Youth Service, uh, which has been tracking the kids who were kicked out when Calais was destroyed, one-third of the kids they've been tracking since the Calais camp was destroyed have gone missing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because that's the real world. And, uh, yeah, that's... So when people talk about refugees... That's the kind of shit they're going through. It is pretty scary indeed. Pretty scary, though. Honestly, I just, I'm sorry if the, I know that like this show usually is supposed to like make us laugh at the scary stuff and the sad stuff, but honestly, I just don't have the energy for that with this. And I, I feel like the people who listen to this show probably don't either, but I felt really strongly that we should do an episode that at least in some capacity validates what's happening. Yeah. Like we have to, I don't know what else to do. You know, I mean, I don't know what else I need to send into the universe. I mean, this is, this is a pretty powerful thing that we're able to do. Right. And I'd rather do this than not do this, I guess. Yeah. I just feel so helpless right now. Like I, I feel so sad and so helpless for people. And, you know, I was kind of abandoned. I was abandoned by my dad. And, you know, I had a huge support system around me that, helped and i'm still fucked up by that experience yeah you know so i don't know who you become when everything completely deteriorates yeah you know and we're we're farming this now we're farming this experience that's what this is it's a mushroom factory like it's we're just putting we're just putting the lid on it and then you know it's like it's like when you have leftovers in your fridge and you just like for some reason are like no i'm not gonna throw it out yet no i'm not gonna throw it out yet yeah i'm not and and then to come back to everything, this is why I just don't think right now we are in a situation that's where we're being governed by people that are that have the capacity to handle this kind of thing. Because this is not this is not an administration filled with people that are used to being handed folders filled with random death knowledge on a daily basis, which is what being a president or the secretary of defense. But at least they've kicked out all the people who are accustomed to that. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, yeah that's yeah. true. Bannon. So that's good. I feel like Steve Bannon is going to be our Jared. It's going to be America's Jared. <laughs> Somebody's got a thumb drive somewhere. Yeah, they've got to. Well, they have to. What the? Where the fuck is anonymous? By the way, uh, there there was a Vice article about this. We talked about it on one of the podcasts. But according to this Vice article, the Trump campaign split anonymous. Like if it, like they declared war on Trump back in March, 
but then people started siding with Trump, and it of kind course of they did. kind of fractured because the group. These are more disgusting but human beings. Anyway, I swear, figured. I saw a thing the other day where they've come out again and say they're declaring war. They're not on doing Trump. shit. They're just a bunch of people that eat Kraft mac and cheese. Hey, hey, hey! No, no, anonymous. We're fine. Help us out, man. Yeah, help That's us all out. I'm but saying. also, don't hack my server or whatever you well, do. Well, yeah, don't do that either. I mean, why? Come on, don't do that either. Yeah, we're not your enemy. I mean, I brought up at least three different things that are going to get us hacked and killed. So, like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll especially be. my plan to get everybody to New Zealand. Yeah, I think I mean, it's a great plan. I do too. Where else is there? Because I feel yeah. like the Netherlands is like way too tough to crack. Yeah, the Netherlands is just going to turn into a creepy socialist country too. And Canada, Canada's not going to want us. They're going to Canada does not want you and I. Like that'll be that. I feel like that'll be that's how Canada's Trump will happen. Is Americans will be wanting to flee to Canada, and he'll be like, "Fuck you." You've- I'm America Canada. Yeah, <laughs> America Canada. American, not American Canada. <laughs> I'm funny. You are. I'm a funny woman. You really are. I really am. I really am. Guys, if there's a way for you to wait, what, send out links for good places to donate to, the, like whatever, yeah. like send us stuff. Like I feel so freaking helpless right now. Yeah, for sure. That I would love for people to tweet at Unpops all sorts of ways that we can be like, let's source this. Let's like go for this because yeah. I know that there are a lot of people out there right now that feel helpless, and there's probably a handful of you guys listening, or women, mm-hmm. that know like actionable steps that people can take. And I understand right. there's like call your senator and stuff like I'm on Facebook. I know that stuff. I can do that. I have done that. Yeah. What about the other stuff? Yeah. Give us ways we can help these people somehow. Yeah, that would be fantastic because these are definitely people who need help. Yeah, it's and, un- not- and Unpops fans are awesome. They really are. They're really nice people. They are the best. This morning, I tweeted that I was sad. And I want to say, her name is Kelly Stanway. Just tweeted a bunch of cat pictures, like kittens and stuff at me. Good kitties. Just to make me feel happy. Yeah. That's all. That's all. That's all that was. I thought that was the sweetest. (laughs) I thought I was tossing I'm sad into the void. (laughs) (laughs) And I got and something back. Void gave you cat pictures. Yeah, and you know, to kind of end on a different note, I, I just want to say this: like the thing that bums me out the most about this is the corporal loss of faith that what you put into the universe you get back. Because I I believe that I, I don't think that that's a I I, just, I know when I've been down and out when somebody's extended kindness to me just a little bit of it. Yeah, what a difference it made in me as a person and how it affected the changes, the, the decisions that I made down the line. And to worry about money and, oh, that's not my problem right now. From like the highest voices that we have. Yeah. It's like, well, then then you don't get to prey on people's religious beliefs then. You don't get to, you, you don't get to use that then. Because if right. you don't have faith yourself that giving of all you have just in the face of evil is not worth it, then what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, like most of us are broke anyway. <laughs> you know no what I mean? Like, doubt. I, so what, what, what money are you afraid to spend at this point? Who, <laughs> what? Yeah. Just, I don't know if you're out there and you believe in this, then just like give us a way to be good. Please. We need it. We really do. Please help us them. Help, help us help them. Yeah. Okay. We did it. 
We did it. We made it through. Thanks for listening to this sad episode. We got a, a good one next week, though. Yeah, next that isn't, week. Well, not that this wasn't. Actually, I think this was a good episode. I think this was a fantastic episode. But it'll be a ridiculous episode next next yeah. next week. And um, can we tell them what it is next week? Just so yeah, they come go ahead. back. Tell them. <laughs> so it's not another very yeah. special, pretty scary. What are we talking about next week, Caitlin? Mothman! I've been having a lot of fun with that today. People keep yelling at me that there's no sound effects. So, Well, fuck. You came back. And what an episode you picked to make a return on. <laughs> felt, felt, like, felt like it might be needed. It felt right. If there's one thing this Syrian refugee crisis needs, it's a solid soundboard. <laughs> that was actually the wrong one. I meant to... to me in my head yeah (laughs) all right uh we did okay we did it all right do we have anything to plug oh i don't know you you know what check out carrie martin sometime (laughs) she's great you guys carrie martin is a lot happier than us right now for (laughs) sure like i think most people are right now uh carrie martin i think she's at carrie Martin 22 for some reason. Yeah, like on, 722 or something. It's such a 90s move to put like it. Is that her birthday or something? What's Not even word? close. Not <laughs> <laughs> close. You're wrong. Oh, That's a bad guess. I always though. assumed it was that. <laughs> nope. No, if you ask her, she won't have an answer. I've asked her multiple times. And it's just like, <laughs> she goes, I don't know. It's like, yeah, she okay. was just the 722nd Carrie Martin who signed yeah, up. And th- well, my handle on Twitter is just like super dorky. It's just <laughs> Bossy Matilda. But what do I do? It's just that's what it is. So that's yeah. me. I'm Bossy Matilda on Twitter. Uh, and I'm Caitlin Rose Cut on Instagram. And uh, I I also host another podcast called White Wine True Crime. Do you? I do. Weird, right? Wow. Weird. Uh, and uh, the most recent episode is a review of Werner Herzog's Into the Abyss. Nice. Next episode, uh, which we'll be posting next week, uh, I think it'll be the same day as Mothman. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty excited. Uh, we're going to be... Com- Should we switch that up, by the way? Should the no. Up? You should sure? drop it. You want to drop both, that both shit. Both going up the same day? I like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how pe- I don't know how people feel about two hours of me, but, but I I deal with me all day and it yeah. work it works out. Okay. I think it's great. Yeah, uh, we're gonna do our our, our take on um, Beware the Slender Man. So we should get out of here. Let's get out of here. All right, let's go eat something that tastes good or something. Yeah, I have ice cream. You want ice cream? Yes, I need ice cream right now. I have, I have peanut butter chocolate ice cream. Man, you've been holding out on me this whole time. Yeah, it's right I out there. would have been like, yada, 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 refugees, let's go. Yeah. Bye. Like, I'm glad you didn't tell me until just now. Let's go eat some ice cream. All right. All right. Say goodbye, Caitlin. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Pretty scary boo. Boo! Boo!